This is 89.1 WEMU, and welcome to another edition of Issues of the Environment. At one point or another, you have likely been exposed to glyphosate. It was developed for commercial agricultural use to protect crops, and as it became available in the residential realm, you probably know it better as Roundup. So many use it to keep weeds out of home gardens. That is just about ever-present now. Pure glyphosate is low in toxicity, but products like Roundup usually contain other ingredients that help keep the glyphosate in plants. The other ingredients can make it more toxic. In fact, a study launched in 2015 found that 93% of those tested had glyphosate in their urine. What might that do to a pregnant woman and her unborn child? Well, that's a question to which our guest wanted an answer. Dr. John Meeker is senior author of a study exploring that question. Dr. Meeker is professor of environmental health sciences and global public health at the University of Michigan. And thank you for taking time today. Much appreciated. No problem. Thank you for having me. What exactly? Was there a specific incident that led you down this particular research path? Um, well, we've been studying uh, pregnant women for uh, about 10 or 12 years, uh, trying to think about what environmental factors might impact their uh, pregnancy health. And when we talk about environment, we're thinking, you know, broadly, <clears throat> chemicals, also maternal stress, uh, neighborhood factors, things like that. We know Roundup and other herbicides containing glyphosate are ubiquitous throughout the agricultural industry, and most of the studies done prior to yours had been measuring its impact on animals. What did your study find when it comes to the impact on human pregnancy and birth? Uh, what we found was um, we measured the uh, glyphosate active ingredient as well as, as a, an environmental degradant called AMPA in the, in the mother's urine, at two time points in pregnancy, uh, we found that the first time point, we didn't see an association with birth outcome. But for that um, other time point later in pregnancy, we did see an increased risk of preterm birth in association with increased levels of both the glyphosate and the, the AMPA metabolite. And beyond chemical exposure, premature babies potentially face a whole long list of impacts just from arriving early, right? That's correct. And it can, you know, anything from infant death to uh, serious disability throughout life. Uh, so it is a very serious condition that um, had been uh, has been increasing in recent years throughout the U.S., and especially in certain areas. Uh, this study took place in Puerto Rico, where when our study began 10 years ago, um, there were very high levels of preterm birth, almost 20%. Um, luckily, that's gone down since then, but it's still uh, very high, well over 10%. So uh, very common and very serious uh, health condition for sure. We're talking with Dr. John Meeker from the University of Michigan on 89.1 WEMU's Issues of the Environment. He is senior author of a recently published study on impacts herbicides can have on preterm birth. The good news, Dr. Meeker, is that Bayer, which manufactures and distributes Roundup, now that it was spun off from Monsanto, announced in July it would phase out the use of glyphosates in Roundup in the year 2023. And... Yet 2023 is a ways off, and it seems to me a lot of damage can still be done in the interim. Fair assessment? Uh, yeah, yeah. We have to look at a lot of things with that type of statement. What is it going to be replaced with, for one? Um, and two, there are many other companies that are now using this same uh, uh, chemical in their herbicides. So, you know, just because the, the, the company that invented it is taking away, that doesn't mean other companies who are producing and distributing it are, are going to do the same thing. 
And because the agricultural industry has determined that it is effective for its stated purpose, then they are likely to continue using it if it's available. Do you have any idea what could possibly be used to replace it? Um, not specifically, no. Um, there are many ways to, to grow crops, um, and hopefully it'll uh, involve something that uses less chemical. Uh, obviously, herbicides and other chemicals, uh, insecticides, etc., have made food production much more efficient, which is extremely important as our world population grows. But the, we need to look at other types of techniques that might help us to get that yield, but also reduce the amount of chemicals um, that, that we have to use. And replacing one chemical with another isn't necessarily always better. So what will you be looking for as we start to see phase-out of glyphosate in Roundup? Um, we'll be looking at a couple things. Uh, again, you know, with one example being the, the measuring it in biological fluids, we can look at whether the, those levels decline over time as, uh, moving forward, and then look at what the active ingredient is being replaced with, and can we start measuring that in, in our, our, our study participants. Once again, this is Issues of the Environment on 89.1 WEMU, and we're talking with Dr. John Meeker from the U of M, where he serves as professor in environmental health sciences and global public health. Dr. Meeker, we can take active measures to prevent exposure around our homes by not using products that have glyphosate and the like, but as we've pointed out, it appears in most foods. Are there certain, certain foods that we should avoid to protect ourselves, and in particular for women who are pregnant? Um, the data for glyphosate specifically um, is, is a little hit or miss. Um, there's certain cereal grains that have been measured uh, to, to have... Oats in particular seem to have high levels, right? Right, right. Um, but, uh, you know, depending on who you ask and what levels you're using as, as uh, quote-unquote, uh, safe level... Um, those assessments can differ. Um, so, you know, you, you get the, the chemical manufacturers are saying, oh, the, the levels are so low, it's not a concern. Whereas if you use more sensitive toxicology studies more recently in the literature, you might come up with a, a much lower level that might be considered safe. And as part of the study that you are doing, are you monitoring what women are eating while they're pregnant and uh, what is being fed to the babies once born preterm? Yes, yeah, so the, the part of our study is to ask them what foods they're eating and, and, and what they're feeding their children. Um, we haven't gotten to that level of, of detail in the data analysis yet, but that is something we, we would like to do in the future to look at what are, they, uh, what are they eating and does that correlate with increased levels of glyphosate in their urine. I think that among many there is an assumption that if we eat organic foods, then we will be safe from these kinds of things. And fact of the matter is there are organics that have these kinds of chemicals in them as well, right? Uh, that's correct. There, there are studies that have found, you know, not, not as common uh, in, in organic foods. So overall, when you're talking about all pesticides, uh, buying and eating organic will reduce your overall levels of exposure. Um, however, given the widespread usage, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds of glyphosate are being used on crops. Um, there are many ways in which, you know, through through drift or through manufacturing practices, whatever it is, packaging, uh, you might get some contamination. So it is true that, that there have been some organic products uh, measuring low levels of, of glyphosate. You mentioned that uh, you've been doing this research for a decade plus now, and uh, you're doing more analysis. What are the next steps in this particular research effort? 
Um, so our study um, in Puerto Rico was, was what we call a nested case control study. So based on the resources we had at the time, it was fairly small. So we're going to expand to increase our sample size, get more what we call statistical power. And we're also going to look at what might be uh, the biological uh, pathways through which glyphosate may be impacting pregnancy. So we're looking at things like endocrine disruption, oxidative stress, and others to see if we can uh, form that link from exposure to that intermediate to the adverse pregnancy outcome. I know that it is completely against the ethos of any scientist to come to any predetermined outcome or to even make any kind of assumption. But as you look forward, is it possible that we're going to come to the conclusion that no exposure to any chemical is going to be uh, harmless to women and to their unborn and newly born children? Yeah, that's a very complex question because, you know, we're exposed to so many things uh, every day throughout our lives. It, it is tough to tease it apart. We use a lot of different tools to try and do that through, you know, lab-based studies of cells to, to animal studies to the type of human study I've, I'm describing here. Um, yeah, I mean, every, every uh, chemical compound has its, um, you know, toxicity level. And we're finding, you know, through more sophisticated scientific methods that those levels may be lower than, than had been uh, thought safe, uh, you know, decades ago. When you do this kind of research and you get into the analysis of it and come to some scientific conclusions, is there personal reward in it for you beyond the science and into the impact on human health? Oh, certainly. And, and working with human populations even more so, I think. Um, we... Uh, you know, back to your original question on, on motivation for this particular study, we were driving around visiting our various uh, collaborators and clinics down in Puerto Rico, and, uh, you know, they're very appreciative of us trying to figure out what might be harmful to them, how to be um, healthier during their pregnancies. And uh, during one of those visits, I actually saw a sign on the roadside for, uh, for a glyphosate product. Um, at the time, we hadn't even considered uh, looking at glyphosate, but I'm like, thinking to myself, this is something, you know, if they're selling it just down the street from this clinic, um, it might be widespread down here. Um, so that's just one example of, of really, um, you know, talking with the uh, participants, talking with our collaborators, getting to know the area to, to try and investigate things that, that might help improve uh, their health. And in the end, it is about the environment, but more importantly, people. Professor Meeker, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Dr. John Meeker, Professor of Environmental Health Sciences and Global Public Health at the University of Michigan. For more information on the study we've been talking about, visit our website at wemu.org and we'll get you linked up everywhere you need to go. Issues of the Environment is produced in partnership with the Office of the Washtenaw County Resources Commissioner and you hear it every Wednesday. I'm David Fair and this is your community NPR station, 89.1 WEMU-FM and WEMU-HD1 Ypsilanti.